You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Hello and welcome to First Tech's latest news podcast for August, where we cover all the latest legislative and regulatory developments over the last month that you need to know about to assist your clients. Now, as per usual, we have a whole cast of First Tech team members here with me today to go through a bunch of issues. So today we're going to be looking at, like Kim, you're going to be talking about some important Centrelink changes to take effect from 20 September. Pete is actually going to take uh, take a look at some interesting resources via ATO Online Services that can help a lot of people uh, access information off MyGov um, and that can potentially help an advisor assist their clients. So I'm going to have a look at that. And finally, we've got a reminder about an upcoming First Tech webinar. Now, before I start grilling you all about these fascinating subjects, I'm going to kick off with TDPs and the performance test. Now, depending on when you're listening to this, the results of the latest APRA superannuation fund performance test may either just to be be about to be announced or have already been announced. Now, the important thing to note this year is the test no longer just applies to my super default super accounts, but also potentially applies to some choice investment options offered via both master trusts and RAP platforms, where those investment options meet the definition of a TDP or trustee directed product. Now, A TDP, to give you an idea of what they are, are basically multi-sector investment options in the accumulation phase. So we don't need to worry about retirement phase income streams. So just in the accumulation phase, where the trustee or an associate of the trustee is involved in setting the strategic asset allocation for the option and in managing the underlying investments. So the important thing to understand here, that this will exclude single, single sector options, such as an Australian shares option. Um, as well as multi-sector options where the trustee is not involved in setting the asset allocation or managing the underlying investments. I suppose you could think about that as the only decision the trustee makes is whether to offer that investment option via the master trust or RAP platform or not. Now, if you'd like to know more about the performance test and how it works, we've recorded a webinar that is available on the First Tech website where I go through all the details. So I don't have time to do that today, but if you want to know more detail, um, go and listen to that webinar. It only goes for about half an hour. Now, however, the important thing that you do need to know is where a fund has a TDP that fails the test, the trustee will be required to write to all the members in that option on 31 August within 28 days to warn them that they are invested in a product that has actually failed the test. And there's some statutory wording that trustees need to use. Therefore, if you've got any clients invested in a TDP that has failed the test, you should expect to be contacted by the client fairly shortly as they may have some questions with how their superannuation is being invested. Also, from a CFS perspective, I have been informed by our product team that while CFS has a range of TDPs offered through our different platforms, 
all of these have passed the performance test and CFS will not be writing to any of your clients. So that's good news. Let's move on now. So as I said in the intro, we've got some important social security changes that are taking effect from the 20th of September. So here to talk to me about these changes is Kim Guest, one of my senior technical services managers. G'day, Kim. Hi, Craig. How are you? Well, thanks. How are you? Yep, not too bad. Bad. A little bit croaky from a cold a couple of weeks ago, but I'm fine. Now, so I think the changes that we're going to talk about were originally, I think they originally announced in the federal budget, um, the most recent one. Do you want to run through what they're, what they're all about? Yeah, that's right. So there were four main changes that were originally announced in the recent federal budget, and they're all four are set to commence from 20 September this year. And the first change is around parenting payment single. So basically what they're doing is they're expanding the qualification criteria so that people can continue to receive um, parenting payment single up to the time their their youngest child reaches age 14. And that's a big increase because under the current rules, once the youngest child reaches eight, they're no longer eligible. Okay, so under the current rules... They're moved to another payment, such as what is it? Probably job seeker payment, aren't they? When when their youngest child reaches eight. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there's a significant difference in the rate of payment because, you know, the maximum rate of job seeker payment is about $176 per fortnight, less than um, parenting payment single. So, so they do get um, quite a big increase by by staying on or moving back to parenting payment single. Okay, well, that, that's fantastic. So, will they need to reapply for parenting payment single from 20 September? No, actually, it looks like um, Centrelink's going to automatically transfer them um, back to parenting payment single if they have a youngest child that's under 14. Um, we'll have to see how that process actually works, though. But um, at this stage, it looks like they, they won't have to reapply. Okay, so no additional paperwork. Now, you mentioned there were four changes. Uh, what's the next one? Yeah, the next one is a $40 per fortnight increase to um, working age and student payments. So this includes job seeker payment, youth allowance, parenting payment partnered and Oz study. All right. Now, what's the next change? Yeah, the next change is an interesting one. Um, what they're doing is they're lowering the age where um, older single people that receive job seeker payment are eligible to receive a higher rate of payment. So under the current rules, once you reach age 60, if you've received um, you know, job seeker payment continuously for nine months, you are then eligible to receive a higher rate of job seeker payment and you get some extras too, like pharmaceutical allowance and telephone allowance and importantly, the pension and concession card. So that's a really important um, concession mm-hmm. that they get. Um, and what they're doing is that from 20 September this year, you don't have to wait until you're 60. It's, you actually will get it from age 55 um, as long as you have received, you know, job seeker payment continuously for nine months once you reach age 55. So why is it that older people get more? Uh, yeah, they're, they're trying to recognise that when they look at the stats, older people are generally on job seeker payment for a lot longer mm-hmm. and they have difficulty um, finding work. Um, and so just statistically, you know, they're, they're on the payment for a longer period of time. And so it's kind of recognising that um, that they might need more money, I guess, to support them through that period. 
get back into the workforce for whether that's rightly or wrongly. Now, how much are they extra are they going to get? They're going to get um, approximately $60 additional money per fortnight. So that's how much it jumps up um, when the, when you reach that age. Um, and they are also going to get, you know, the $40 per fortnight increase that I, oh. that I spoke about earlier. So, yeah. Right. So an extra $100 per fortnight went from, from 20 September? From 20 September, that's right. Okay. And is that the last Social Security measure? We've got one more, and that is a 15% increase in the maximum rate of rent assistance. Okay. So that's obviously in response to, you know, rent costs surging across Australia at the moment, is it? Yeah, that's right. They found that rent assistance really wasn't keeping up with the increases in the amount of rent charged. Um, so this increase is aimed at, you know, helping to address address that. But of course, there, there are some people who are arguing that 15% increase is not enough. Yeah. Well, I go down to the local dog park with my dog every afternoon, and that is the topic du jour. The last couple of months, lots of people are seeing, you know, rent increases of 50 and 60, 70, 80, 90, 100%. So I imagine, mm. you know, 15% is, is uh, that might be still tough for a lot of people. Okay, great. Thanks, Kim. Now, Pete, we're going to move on and talk ATO Online Simulator. Yeah, thanks for that, Craig. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about the ATO Online Services Simulator. Um, it's not a new tool, but a lot of advisors um, might not know it exists. Yep. Um, now, why do I want to talk about it? Well, advisors know there's a lot of useful information on the ATO portal of MyGov. Yep but they often can't access this information directly, so they need to tell the client to access it. Yep, yep. So it would be really common for advisors to be giving directions to their clients on how to use MyGov to get the information that the advisor needs. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this process could be easy if the client's computer savvy, but if the clients are 60, 70, 80 years old and maybe struggle to find the on button on the computer... Mm. Uh, then it could be a total nightmare, particularly if you're speaking with them over the phone and you can't see what they're looking at. So that's where the ATO Online Services Simulator can really help. And the tool simulates what the ATO MyGov portal looks like Mm -hmm. and it allows you to explore all the different areas on the portal. All right. So just to be absolutely clear, what we're not talking about here is some sort of advisor portal where the advisor can go in and see the member's total superannuation balance. It just allows you to see a live simulation of what the ATO or what the client is actually seeing when they go on to their account, um, but the numbers aren't the same. That's right. Yeah, it's just a simulated MyGov account. You're not actually seeing the the client's details, Um, but you can use that to provide like a step-by-step guide or help you uh, when providing directions to the client over yeah. the phone. So, when it's, for example, on, you're talking to them on the phone and they're saying, click that button there, and now you'll see a drop-down box with three different things. Go to the exactly. third one of those, click that, and now you'll see a figure, and I need to know that figure. So it's, uh, it's just, it's just uh, a handy tool to allow an advisor step the client through to get out of ATO Online Services or MyGov, the relevant information that they need. Now, how do you find this simulator tool? It's it's easy to find if you know what to search for. So if you just go to Google and search for the phrase ATO Simulator, 
it'll be the first result that comes up. All right. Now, I'm assuming it just shows you everything that ATO Online Services shows a client. So what is that specifically? That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a copy of what, they, what you can find on MyGov. So it displays um, now. Let me clarify that it's not all of MyGov, it's the ATO portal on right. MyGov. Mm-hmm. So it displays tax, super, employment information, as well as a, a My Profile section. Okay, so I imagine the most relevant section for advisors is going to be that superannuation section. What can they find in there? Uh, the super section includes information on total super balance, uh, transfer balance cap, contribution information. Um, it even includes uh, carry forward concessional contributions, like mm. how much they have available to yep. use, yep, um, and non concessional bring forward details. Okay, so if I'm thinking about using the the carry forward concessional rules, I can go in there. I can see, well, I can guide the client to find their total superannuation balance, which will tell me about whether they're eligible or not. But it also gives me information about what amount of unused concessional contribution cap they've got available. That's right. Yeah. So it's a great tool. Um, Check it out. Uh, it'd be nice if other government departments also had a simulator tool for their portals, but I haven't found any yet. All right. Okay. Terrific. All right. Uh, thanks, Pete. That uh, I know that a lot of advisors, when we've pointed that to them, have found that extremely valuable to use with their with their clients. So uh, if you've got an interest in that, just go and Google ATO Simulator and uh, and have a look at it. Now, I think that wraps it up for latest news. But before we disappear into the day, a couple of housekeeping issues. So first of all, the printed guides have started to be mailed. So if you went on to our online ordering tool and ordered some copies of the First Tech uh, Superannuation Retirement Income Stream Guide and, and the Pocket Guide, those have now started to be mailed. So hopefully you've already got those in the mail. You opened that up as a nice little present from us, um, a nice big thick superannuation uh, and retirement income stream guide and your pocket guide. So, uh, so I hope you're enjoying those. Also, we have an upcoming quarterly CPD webinar, uh, and that's on practical tips for superannuation contributions, which is on the 24th of August at 12:30. Uh, so, if you're not aware of that, check your inbox for your invite and go and register via Zoom. Now, I'll finish it up there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. And thanks for listening. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Adventist Investments Limited, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.